0: Ever and ever, amen. All right, kids, would you do me a favor? Would you go and say Happy Mother's Day to your mom? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing that. Thank you for doing that. I did notice that only only a couple kids went and said Happy Mother's Day. To my wife, Kara, which is entirely appropriate, because being a mother is about being special to certain people that you are in close relationship with. And it would be awful if on Mother's Day, I said, go wish Happy Mother's Day to your mom, if your kid bypassed you to go wish Happy Mother's Day to somebody else. I had a mentor one time who had a a scarred childhood, because his father would come home from the end of at at the end of his work day be home for about half an hour and then leave out the front door get into his car and drive across town to go eat dinner with another family he functionally had two families i don't know if this was an adulterous affair or what whatever it was um, but a man in his his 60s and then 70s is still continuing to bear the scars of the fact that his mother and and he and his siblings were not special to his father See, being special is important. I had to apologize to someone this morning because I wasn't home by 8 a.m. I don't eat red onions most of the time. I don't watch certain action movies, and none of these things inherently are wrong, but there's a special person in my life that I have acclimated myself to, my wife, Kara. And other people can do their own things, but for my wife, these things are special, and if I fail to do them, then it causes relational friction. I don't know if you guys can relate. See, this morning we're going to be in Leviticus, and we're going to be welcomed into a wonderful host of rules, and I'm not going to read them all, because not only would it be awkward with a group of adults in, uh, in here, but with the children, we're going we're gonna to do things a little bit different. But at the end of the day, these rules are embedded in a story of relationship about the creator God who made heaven and earth, who invited a group of people to be the ones through whom God is going to bring his redemptive blessings to a broken world. And these people are the people of Israel. They have been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They have been brought safely through the Red Sea. They have been fed daily with heavenly manna like this bread that just shows up in the morning they go out and eat it they are drinking water from a rock out in the wilderness this is a place that is utterly unfit for human habitation and survival and yet somehow by the grace of this creator god they are able to flourish out there in the wilderness and they are entering into a covenant with god now comes all these rules and it's important to recognize that these rules are coming to people who have already been saved to people who have already entered into a relationship, to people who have already been accepted. And we're going to be covering four chapters this morning. So to give you a brief guideline of where we're going, chapter 17 is something of a a hinge in the book of Leviticus. So it covers sacrifices, (laughs) goat idols, and blood. And then chapters 18 and 20 form a frame around chapter 19. So both 18 and 20 have to do with avoiding the ways of the nations. Okay? Don't express your sexuality the way that you see everyone else doing it. Don't worship Molech. Don't be like them. Instead, chapter 19, this is what life looks like when you, live in light of God, uh, when you live as God's special people. So it begins in chapter 17, verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, this is what Yahweh has commanded. So first little detail. God is now addressing the entire community. The first half, first 16 chapters of the book of Leviticus is to mostly the priests. Here's the sacrifices. Here are the rituals. Here's how to cleanse the tabernacle of ritual defilement culminating on the day of atonement. Beginning in chapter 17, now that this special tent where God meets with his people has been cleansed, now we're going to talk about everybody else. We're going to talk to the entire Israelite camp about what it looks like for them to live with God at the center of their lives. So the rest of Leviticus addresses all the people. Any Israelite, God says, who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it, instead of bringing it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to Yahweh in front of the tabernacle of Yahweh, that person shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. They have shed blood and they must be cut off From their people so if you kill an animal and you're not at the entrance to the tabernacle you're guilty of murder and you don't belong to the people of israel feels a little bit harsh but first sorry I, i misspoke i said kill an animal no i mean sacrifice an animal anywhere other than at yahweh's camp if you do anything but if you sacrifice an animal anywhere but there you're not part of this people anymore Here's why. This is so the Israelites will bring to Yahweh the sacrifices that they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priests, that is to Yahweh at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as a fellowship offering. Skipping a verse here, verse 7. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for their generations to come. It's just this little detail slipped into a story as we then go into four more chapters of rules and regulations. But when you stop and pay attention, you go, wait, what? The people of Israel are out there in the wilderness worshiping goat idols after the Lord God, Yahweh, the I am who I am, has come into their midst? Yes, that is what they are doing. So there's a little structure here. That you can begin to trace as we move through the torah the people of israel will screw up badly then god will issue a bunch of rules they're going to screw up again god will give them more rules they're going to screw up again god will give them more rules this is like parenting all right you start by just like do the right thing and then you watch what your kids do and you're like oh new rule don't try to stab people with a hot dog okay you know, new rule, don't put your foot in the middle of the pie that I just made. Got it. Okay. These are true to life stories. <laughs> you know, like we, we see something wrong and then we give rules. So in the book of Exodus, the people of Israel, they, they entered into a covenant with God. Like we, we signed the document. We are now in a special relationship now, kind of like a marriage covenant, but now between God, a God and his people, or we, we would say the God and his people. And then they go and worship the golden calf. And then we have all these rules about the tabernacle. And then we have all these rules about the sacrificial system, culminating in in the priesthood being inaugurated. Things are looking great. And then we get to chapter 10 of the book of Leviticus. And Nadab and Abihu, these two priests, they blow it royally. So now here's a bunch of more rules, chapters 11 through 16. How How do you cleanse the tabernacle? All right, things are good. Now we read about the community blowing it royally out there in the wilderness. All right, here's another 10 chapters of rules and regulations. Enjoy these. So this is a story, and God's rules are coming in response to people's sin. And they're not, they're not rules and totality. It's not everything that you could say about any particular issue, but these are wisdom for us to, to consider. All right, so that's the first thing. The, the other thing that's going on, God has got ticked at these people because they are trying to cover their bases. Well, yeah, we'll worship Yahweh at the center of our camp. But you know, the, the wilderness out there, it's a scary place. There are a lot of dark forces involved in the world. So what if, we, what if we just made sure that we were okay? You know, not just with God, but we'll just go over here. We'll make a little sacrifice to appease those gods, and then we'll make sure that nothing bad happens to us. You guys know those people. They're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm good with Jesus, but there are other forces at work. We want to just, we want everyone to be happy. And one of the things that we learn about Yahweh, the I am who I am, he is a jealous God. And he says, no, look, either I'm everything or I'm nothing. If you're going to go sacrifice to powers other than myself, then you might as well just not be part of my people. We're going to cut you off. So either you're in or you're out, but none of this in-between stuff. You're either part of this family or you're part of some other family. You can't do both. See, God says, he says, I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood. So a new thing. He says, and I will cut them off from the people. The life of a creature is in the blood. I have given it for you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So a little bit jumpy transition-wise, but God's now talking about, you don't eat blood because it is a gift from me to make atonement. This is how we repair our relationship. Unlike every other culture that I'm aware of, a sacrifice isn't meant to appease this God. Sacrifices, if you're an ancient Israelite, is actually a gift from God to repair a relationship. So don't take what has been given for a special purpose and use it for something it wasn't intended for. Chapter 17 finishes with more, don't eat blood, covered up with earth, and we move into chapter 18. 18 begins, he says, Yahweh said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am Yahweh, your God. And we're like, this is not new information. Why are we being told this again? Of course you are. But I had a friend named Ray, his kids are grown, but he was telling me that when his kids were little and he really wanted to get their attention... He wasn't a screamer, he wasn't a, a yeller. What what he would do if he really wanted to get his kids' attention is he'd lower his voice. He'd use I think he might use their middle name. And he'd get down on their level, and he'd lock eyes with them, and he'd cup their little chubby cheeks in his hands, and he'd talk to them just like this. And Ray says, This is his picture of what God is doing throughout this next section. God's letting the Israelites know, I, I mean business. This is who I am. This is who we are as a family. The, the reality behind all of these rules is that you need to know who I am. You need to know me. I am Yahweh. And if, if, you, if we understood this one point, then everything else is superfluous because we, we'd understand it. It says, I am Yahweh, your God. So you must not do as they do in Egypt. I know you you just came from there. You know the Egyptians. Don't, Don't do as they do, where you used to be. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. No, you must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am Yahweh, your God. Don't look to them. Don't look to them. Look right here and know who I am keep my decrees and my laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am Yahweh. It's the old tale, Adam and Eve in the garden. Will you experience the blessed life I want to give you by listening to my instructions, or are you going to go your own way? And here's God telling people who are living every day on God's grace, and he says, look, if you just listen to me and obey me, you will live. You will experience life and joy and blessing. Know who I am. I am Yahweh I am the one who is I am myself and so chapter 18 then gets really awkward when we hear these strange phrases like you shall not uncover the nakedness of or you shall not have sex with anyone who is a close relative anyone who is of the same gender anything that is not a human no no sex with animals and God says don't give your children to Molech for you must not profane the name of your God I am Yahweh. And to us, as Americans, we read some of these rules and we're like, oh, that's a good thing, that's a good thing, and huh, why is that there? But the context for all of this is God says, this is what the Egyptians are doing, this is what the Canaanites are doing, you're my people. And no matter what they do in that family or in that family, in this family, we don't do that. And you don't give any of the children that I've given you to this other deity, Molech kind of sounds like the, the Hebrew word for king. So whoever this, this being is, you don't take my, my children and give them to another god. And of course, why would we do that? Well, you make sacrifices to things that you believe will bring blessing and bring security and, and bring prosperity. All right? that, that's why we sacrifice. It's like, this is worth it because of what will come. And God says, if you Give your kids away to this other being. You will profane my name. And that word, we associate with the word profanity, and you're like, what does that mean? But it's the word you will make common. It's the opposite of holy. It's the opposite of special. If if I am a God like no one else, then all your needs will be satisfied if you look to me. But if you go and you offer one of your kids to this other God, then you're treating me just like the rest of the pantheon. I'm nothing special. I'm just one among many. You have taken my special name and you've made it just like everyone else. Don't you dare do that because I'm Yahweh. I am the one who, <laughs> the one who is. Like, don't compare me to anyone else. I'm like no one you've ever met. And, and the chapter concludes with God saying, do not defile yourselves in any of these various ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, and so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. You must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things, for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. If you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. I have a special place for you to live, If you obey my decrees, you get to live here. The people who are currently living here have done so badly that their sin has polluted the land and they're going to get kicked out and you get to move in, congratulations. But you get to stay there only as long as you don't do the same thing they did. Because if you act the way they're acting, it's going to kick you out too. Everyone who does any of these detestable things, such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements. Do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came, and do not defile yourselves with them. Why? I am Yahweh your God. You're mine, and I'm yours. Don't be like everyone else. We get to chapter 19, and chapter 19 is all about living life as God's people. This is what life should look like. Yahweh said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy be separate, be distinct, be unique, be special, because I, Yahweh your God, am holy. So each of you must respect your mother and father. You must observe my Sabbaths. I am Yahweh your God. Do not turn to idols or to metal gods or make metal gods for yourselves. Why? I am Yahweh your God. talks about fellowship offerings. And then it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, Don't reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyards a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am Yahweh your God. Don't take everything you can out of this land. Leave extra so that those who need help can come and find it from your gleanings. And we're just jumping from one area of life to another, painting a picture of what, what people who are part of this family, will look like because they're beginning to look like the God that they are serving. I am Yahweh, your God. And so some selected ones from it. Don't curse curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Fear your God. Don't live in ways that you can get away with, the ways that you can can pull the wool over people's eyes and you'll never get caught because they won't see you, they won't hear. Live out of recognition that I'm watching you That everything you do represents me and I see. Fear me. Treat people justly. Treat people kindly. I am Yahweh. And don't pervert justice. Don't show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. This is justice. Whether they have one or one billion dollars, doesn't matter. Everyone sits the same underneath what is right and what is wrong. Don't do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am Yahweh. Don't hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly or you will, uh, so you will not share in their guilt. Don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone of your people. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Observe my Sabbaths. Have reverence for my sanctuary. I am Yahweh. Do not turn to mediums or seek the spiritists. Don't cover your bases elsewhere. All right? You will be defiled by them. Why? Because I am Yahweh, your God you are mine, I am yours, and stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, revere your God, I am Yahweh, and when a foreigner resides among you, when there's an immigrant in your land, don't mistreat them, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born, love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt, I am Yahweh, there's a, there's a refrain. I don't know if you've picked it up yet. Some repeated words here. Do you know who I am? And in this context, the highlights are repeated twice for both the citizen and the immigrant. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost like Jesus had read this when he says all the law hangs on the fact that you shall love the Lord your God, Yahweh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on these two commands. Go figure. Go figure. Jesus understood what these passages were all about. We get to chapter 20, and and it's an echo and a repeat of chapter 18. It begins with about offering your children to Molech. Then it talks about sexual sin, only now with here are the consequences for breaking the barriers that God has put in place. And it concludes with God telling the Israelites again, keep all my decrees, all my laws, follow them, so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the customs of all the nations, not like Egypt, not like Canaan. He says, I'm going to drive them out before you because they did all these things and I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am Yahweh, your God, who has set you apart from the nations. You are my special people. And I am special to you. We don't treat one another just like everyone else. You must therefore make a distinction between the clean and the unclean animals. See chapter 11. Between the unclean and the clean birds. Do not defile yourselves by any animal or bird or anything that moves along the ground. Those that I have set apart as unclean for you. You are to be holy to me because I, Yahweh, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. So if you guys remember the chart I had of the whole book of Leviticus, centering on the Day of Atonement, the unclean and clean food laws parallel these clean and unclean sexual practices. Sorry, there you go. So the point, the point of the passage, guys, it's really clear. I've been saying it. Be holy, for I, Yahweh your God, am holy. But I'll go ahead and use a, a different word this morning be special, be special, for I, Yahweh your God, am special. This is, this is in contrast to everyone else, and we can argue whether or not some of these practices are wrong for everyone to do, and, and, and what is for the nations, and what is for God's special people, and some of them make sense, like some of the sexual practices, God says, yeah, they're defiling their land, and then other things like don't wear clothes made of two different kinds of material, and you're like, I don't get that one. At the end of the day, right or wrong, it's about treating God as someone who is so special that our entire life, everything, everything that we do is oriented around him. He is special, and so we begin to live into that special kind of existence that belongs in this family. Let the other families do what they want. Here, we do things this way. And so this is where I want to land, be special. Yahweh your God is special. So what does it take? What does it take to be special? Well, um, exclusivity and devotion, sexual standards, justice, fairness, worship, generosity, etc. If you would be special, do all these things. Psych. Just kidding. That's not the point. This is a point that you have been chosen and accepted by Yahweh. That's what it takes to be special. He chose you. Did you know that? See, in verse 7 of chapter 20, God says, Consecrate, that is, set yourself apart, live distinctly, and and be holy because I, Yahweh your God, am holy. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. And he concludes in verse 26 he says, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Why are we to live differently than everybody else? Because God has made us his, because he has chosen us, because he has accepted us. And so we respond. I uh, was listening to a book this week on my morning run and I almost stopped running because it's a book on marriage by a guy named John Gottman. He works up in Seattle, has some great stuff on what makes relationships work. And so talking about the relationship between a couple, he said this, he says people can change only if they feel they are basically liked and accepted the way they are. When people feel criticized, disliked, and unappreciated, they are unable to change. Instead, they feel under siege, and they dig in to protect themselves. I was like, what did you just say? Because I'm preaching in Leviticus, and that sure sounds familiar. If you want your relationship to work, you cannot make the other person's behavior contingent on your acceptance of them. If you want your relationship to work, if you actually want to invite someone to change, you have to accept them, Period. And when they feel like they are basically liked and accepted by you, they are invited to change their behavior. This is what God has done for the Israelites. They don't have to do this to be his people. He has accepted them. He has saved them. They wake up every morning to encounter manna. They drink water from a rock. He has provided for them time and time again. He has already saved them. They are already accepted. They are already his people. And so now he calls them to know Him better and to reflect his character, and to find life and blessing by knowing who he is. Do you know me? I am Yahweh, your God. I'm yours. Live like it. It's a family of grace. We're in a different context, and yet the same truth holds true for us, that our God is so special that he deserves absolutely everything from us. Everything. I mean, that's what he's ca- talking about. Total surrender of every aspect of life. Don't, don't cover your bases by appeasing those other gods, you know, just in case. He says, let me be your God. Let me be the exclusive one that you worship. Let me the one be the one that you're going to for security, for identity, for hope, for sustenance. And he's worthy. He deserves everything from us. I hope we will see it this morning. The first thing I want us to know is God is special. He's made us special to him. And so we can make our sp- ourselves special for him. He is unique. He's one of a kind. He created everything. He is the most supreme God. So everything that we see out there, when you look at like um, the pictures from the James Webb telescope or Hubble, God made everything that we're discovering out there. All right, when you, when you see the sun filtering through the trees, on these beautiful Portland days that we have, yet God, he made all that. When you laugh at a good joke, God is a source of humor. When you fall in love with another person, God is a source of love. He made sexuality. He made every good thing. There's no one like him. And he has chosen to make us his people through Jesus. Now, we are special, not because of anything that we have done ourselves, but because of who he is and that he chose to save us. He has committed himself to us to say, you are saved, period, because of what my son did. It doesn't matter what you do. You want to push this. I'm, I'm sure you could push this all the way to death and live like an idiot. God would still save you because he's really that good. But don't do that. Because he's chosen that you'd be special, that you're part of his family. And in this family now, we do things differently. So we are invited, knowing that we are liked and accepted already to make ourselves special for him and to live differently than everyone else to be different. We like to be different in our culture, but not necessarily in these ways. But to live differently is worship, to to orient life around who this God is. So as Jesus followers, our sexuality is something that's special. We value life. We value children. Life is a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. And so I would say there should be no abortions among us. I don't, I don't know exactly what sacrificing children to Moloch was, but I can only imagine that the only reason you do this is because you're worried about your economic security. You're worried about what might happen in your future. You're worried about the relational fallout. You're worried about whether or not you'll have food to eat and, and success in life. That's why you would give your kids to Moloch. And when I look at abortion and all the tragedies associated with it, sometimes the reasons people are... Our pressure there is because this is going to ruin your future this is going to ruin your opportunities this is going to ruin your your ability for economic advancement this is going to ruin your relationships and i wish that as jesus followers we'd say that life is such a gift from god that no matter how difficult it seems we're going to trust that god is going to take care of us and we will value children and and you know the rest of the world they're, they're doing what they're doing but here in this family we value life. We value kids. Here in this family, we don't confuse men and women. We say God has created the genders. He's created male and female. And, and yes, there is hyper-rare genetic disorders as part of this broken world, and so we can, we can address the difficult things when they happen. But God, who in the beginning separated and created distinct boundaries and in these passages it's saying keep these boundary lines firm don't cross them over here in this family we say these are gifts from God to be used appropriately let us learn to love our neighbor and to love the foreigner among us and to have compassion on those who are suffering but here we don't confuse these things we believe that sex belongs exclusively in exclusive heterosexual marriage only Um, You don't get all of that from this passage alone, but in the whole teaching of the Bible, a man and woman for life in union with one another. This is where sex belongs, and anything outside that, sex doesn't belong. Even to this day, we recognize, like, don't have sex with a near relative. Like, okay, good, we're on the same page here. And again, we live in Portland. People will do what they're going to do. But here in this family, we do different And the reason we do different is because our God is special to us, and we listen to what he has to say. We believe this is the way to life and the blessing and the flourishing. It's a whole separate conversation. How do we engage with the culture around us? But here, if you would be a Jesus follower, we say Jesus matters so much that we submit our own desires, whatever they may be, to what God says leads to life and to flourishing. Be fruitful and multiply. Our speech is special. May it be special to God. We don't curse our parents. We speak respectfully to people. We speak the truth. We lovingly confront those who wrong us rather than letting things fester. I'm just going through some of these laws of Leviticus and just like, here's an application, here's an application. Because our words matter because our God is special and we represent him. Our lifestyle, our looks are special. We don't dress the way everyone else does. I mean, the sun has come out in Portland, The made Jesus' followers dress decently and modestly. It means dress appropriately and also don't... How don't want to say it. In the old sense, modesty meant um, with a certain amount of frugality. It means you're not breaking your bank to wear the most expensive clothes. It's not all about attention. It's that even our own finances represent... The God that we serve so who gets attention and how much money are we spending on what we wear we live within our means we make room for generosity again let them do what they want here in this family we do different I was in a restaurant one time and in came a pack of kids with you know the leader coming behind and I found out it's a church group and here's this youth pastor and he says hey everyone round up as I'm trying to walk out and they're blocking the door I get to hear the conversation and he says we're going to come in and we're going to eat but in this church we have a, in our church, we have a rule. We tip 20 percent. period. It says, if there's something on the menu that you want and you don't have enough money to tip 20 percent, then you can't afford that issue. We will tip 20 percent. Now I'm not saying that we have to do that necessarily, but I loved it him to say, let others do what they want here in this family, because we represent the church. We represent Jesus. We will tip 20 percent. What would it look like in our job? in our homes to say, we're going to live under our means so that we have the ability to be generous to those who are actually in need. Well, we love and support those who can't support themselves. Every area of life is affected. Why? Because he is who he is, and we're called to reflect him. But let's be honest, living in a special way can be difficult. You know, we say we want to be special. We want to be unique. And then we hear like what that might look like. And sometimes it's just like, I'm not sure I want to be that special, God. Can't I be like everyone else? And especially from an outside perspective, many people, they think that's what following Jesus is. It's just all about a bunch of rules. As if you had to do all these things to be accepted by him. And And it's hard to speak from the inside and say, no, 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 no. We do all these things because we are already accepted by him. And so I was trying to think of an analogy this week, and I I came up with one, let's see if it's effective or not. But there's a group of people in our society currently who live holy lives, special lives. Lives that will affect everything that we've already been talking about this morning. The United States Marine Corps. If you sign up, you are signing your life away to belong to the government. As long as you are a Marine, you are owned. You don't have the security classification to know what just got injected into your arm. They can put anything they want there. Why? Because you are government property. You sound to be a Marine, it will affect your style. Your hair will be cut their way. Your clothes will be their way. Your sleep schedule will be their way. The food you eat will be their way. Your sexuality will be at least for 13 weeks on their terms. When you're in basic training, nothing happens. You're government property. You don't see your family. You don't see your relationships for 13 weeks until the day before graduation. Why? Because you are a Marine. And apparently for those who are in that system, the honor, the glory, That they are fighting for is worth it. To serve the United States, they say this is worth it. My friends, someone far more important than the United States Marine Corps has invited us into relationship with him, to serve him, to experience life in his family, to be part of his mission to the world, a mission far more important than protecting the national borders here. To be his people. That he would be our God. That we would be in relationship with him for the rest of our life and for eternity. I don't know that we always think he's worth it. He is. My prayer this morning is that we would get to know him. That we would keep gazing upon the God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. I am Yahweh. Keep looking at me. Keep staring at me. Keep understanding how special you are to me. And let me be special to you. And let that change the way that you act, the way that you eat, sleep, drink, speak, everything that you do. Because he's worth it. He's worth it. My friend, our God is so special. He deserves absolutely everything from us. Because the story of Jesus is that he has given absolutely everything for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you are holy, that you are special. Father, this morning, I I pray that each one of us would consider what, what one thing we could do this week, today, right now, to show that you are more special to us again. That out of your acceptance, out of your love, out of your compassion, out of your grace that you have poured into our life, that we reflect and say, you know, God, I I, I want to change a little bit more. Not so that I'm accepted, but because I already am. Because you have already loved us. Father, would you help us to understand who you are, how good you are, how true you are, how righteous you are, how just you are, how great you are. And because you are this good, may we trust you with all the things that are hard to trust you with. When our desires run in conflict with you, when we look around at the way the rest of the world is living and we say that looks pretty good, may we look back to you and realize that you have something better for us. And may we truly believe that this is the way that leads to life. But God, we need your help. (laughs) Thank you for your Holy Spirit. May your Spirit empower us today to live as your people to bring you glory through everything that we do. We love you. Amen.